Welcome to the MSD Animal Health Podcast. On this podcast, we interview people working across the agricultural industry to bring you the latest disease information, insights into our technology solutions, and discuss relevant industry topics. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the MSD Animal Health Podcast. My name is Helena Madden, I'm one of the ruminant veterinary managers with MSD and today I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Sexton, a vet in Riverview Veterinary Clinic. So today we're going to talk all things BVD. So Michael, BVD is obviously still a very important issue on farms in Ireland but just to start with, what actually is BVD? Well BVD stands for bovine viral diarrhea which is a misnomer because it doesn't uh, convey the wide spectral diseases that are contained within that group. So just to go back a little bit before we go forward, uh, BVD was discovered in 1946 in upstate New York, uh, where a cow was discovered with persistent diarrhea and she eventually died. She was housed in a shed and that shed is still standing today. But anyway... More on. So this disease was first described in 1946. The investigators, Olafsson et al., did not really understand, as one would imagine, what they were dealing with at that time. So they described it as just a transmissible diarrhea. It wasn't until 1955 that mucosal disease was discovered and people put two and two together. And it wasn't years later until the virus was diagnosed. So it's interesting to know that this disease doesn't wasn't just discovered and the textbook description was there. It was actually, it took a while to uh, unfold. So basically, viral diarrhea does not really do justice to what it does and what it is. It's basically another bovine virus. Typical virus has a three-week life cycle in the body, gets into the body, elicits immune response, usually lifelong, and leaves with no real symptoms except for... If it's young animals, it may cause diarrhea to be worse or pneumonia. And in older animals, especially, it has really no real effect except if um, cows are pregnant. And that is where our interest in BVD begins. Brilliant. I knew BVD was interesting, but I didn't know it was that interesting now, to be fair. So that's a, a great background on the, the history of the disease. So as you mentioned there then, Michael, it's obviously a complex disease. So... Just take us through, I suppose, what are possible different effects that BVD might have in a herd then? It all centres around a pregnant cow. So one of the main features of BVD is it's a very small virus. So it actually goes in and out of the fetus, in and out of the uterus without causing a placentitis. So that in initially it can cause a lot of disease syndromes that other viruses may not. So it depends on the trimester. So if it hap- so the diseases we see depend on the timing of infection. If the infection is in the first trimester, first three months, you're likely to see repeats. Cows repeating, cows coming back into heat. And it's very hard to prove that's BVD because if you blood sample the cows, they probably would be viral negative at that stage. And therefore, it's a suspicion you can have rather than proving definitively. If it is the last trimester of pregnancy, the last three months, typically you may see developmental diseases such as uh, neurological deficiencies, such as you know lack of brain development, uh, eye defects, 
uh, cerebellar defects, spinal defects, um, and undersized calves, and everything up to including abortion. Uh, and then if it happens in the middle trimester, this is the interesting thing, if it happens between roughly day 30 and day 130, um, what the virus can get in and out of the fetus without causing any side effects. And also it can get in before the, the fetus's immune system recognizes it as a, as a foreign body. And if those fetuses do not abort, then those fetuses can be normal and that calf is born with the virus in the body of the fetus or the resulting calf and it is there for life, never to be eliminated. And that is essentially how we end up with the thing we talk about all the time with BVD, the persistently infected, the PI calf. And that part of the disease process really is central then to, to how BVD is spread within a herd and the source of, of BVD within the herd because we can't really do anything with those PI calves, can we, to stop them shedding the virus? No, there is no trigger once the calf is born with the virus as identified by the immune system as part of the calf. There is no way of reversing that pursuit, that sequence of events. So, so these PIs are actually a huge challenge to treatment because there is no treatment. It's a huge challenge to the spread of the disease in the herd, but then equally it is the corner piece of control. So, But the PI status is rather unique for BVD and it is what separates BVD from most other viral infections in cattle. And say then if you had a herd that was maybe naive to, to BVD and you had a PI animal born into that herd, what might you see happening in, in the rest of the herd then that aren't persistently infected? Depends on the time of infection um, and the stage of the fertility cycle in the herd. So if the PI calf is born in, uh, say, at start of fertility season, you may see no symptoms. You might have some repeats. And this is presuming it's in a herd that's naive with no immunity. And you may have PI calves born subsequently, but you, you would not know that till the following year. And later on in the pregnancy, in the fertility season, you may see abortions. But many times, you, oftentimes you'll see nothing. If the infection occurs in a naive herd at the start of the calving season, uh, you may see more pneumonia, more scour, more crypto. Um, it's important to note, once a calf is born free of BVD, it can never become a PI. But that calf, being a comrade of the PI, the BVD circulating could potentially immunosuppress those other calves. And then yeah. that's why you get more Correct. scour, more more yeah. other diseases. Yes. So based on all of that then, um, why did we decide to try and eradicate BVD from, from herds in Ireland? I think one thing that summarizes it in many ways was to take, for example, in 1991, a country called Slovenia broke free from Yugoslavia. And there was a small war there. Um just for that republic. Within three years, they had launched the BVD control program. And Slovenia is not known to be a food capital of Europe. So if a country that has a small dairy industry or beef industry can chart a course for BVD eradication three years after its independence, it really shows the determination of small nations. So I think that's just 
to give a backdrop, a lot of countries started BBD eradication. Nordic countries and Scandinavian countries in the 90s. And then Switzerland began their program and Germany followed. And I think Ireland followed the Swiss-German model. I think if Ireland is the food capital of Europe or the food exporting nation that it is and we want to develop it, it's very hard to sustain that uh, premiership without having the health status to back it up. Brilliant. So when we come back to the eradication programme then and the approach we took, that was very much based around the principles of, of BBD that you already mentioned and around the PI calf and how the PI calf is formed. So we might just delve into that a little bit in, you know, just to explore why it was we took the approach we did when we when we went about eradicating the disease. I suppose one thing to keep in mind with eradication programs, if we take this journey from the mid 90s to the mid uh 2010s, which is when Ireland started in 2013. In that 20-year period, uh, one of the um, interesting things about BVD was the BVD technology, detection technology, diagnostic technology, um, the improvements in that were um, quite um, dramatic. And go back to the mid-90s, BVD detection was based on antibody serology, which is a traditional model. That's what the Scandinavians countries tried, and it worked there because they had, in general, low prevalence. Uh, Finland, Norway, uh, regions of Sweden. Denmark was the first country to try an eradication program which had a high prevalence and a high cattle density, which was more similar to Ireland. So that program worked quite well in those countries. As the 90s moved into the noughties, technology improved and direct viral detection um, technologies improved dramatically. And then ear notch technology uh, developed. And I think it's this uh, advancement really made direct viral detection possible. And whilst blood testing was looked at, and certainly by the time Ireland uh, finished up its brucellosis program in 20, 2009, it could have, we could have started then. But I think the technology in the ear notching really was a game changer. So the Swiss and the Germans went ahead of us, and I think we picked the best of their um, the example they, they led with. Brilliant. And I suppose ultimately, because we know how BVD works and we know the significance of the, the PI calf, and we then developed the technologies to accurately identify those PI calves, ultimately the removal of the PI calf was kind of the cornerstone of, of yeah. the eradication program. And just to, you know, reiterate again, with those PI calves, there's no way of getting rid of BVD for them from their system, but they also could potentially be a normal animal going forward. In fact, most PI animals, if not all, are born normal. This is the big conundrum. In many ways, those calves are infected in the last trimester. Um, they're the ones that, if they don't abort, are more likely to be born with deformities. And yet, ironically, they're the ones who are not the PIs. So in many ways, if, a, if a, an animal is born with defects, it's probably more likely to be non-PI, but BVD affected. And most PIs are persistently infected, but not affected which is the irony and does make 
that initial concept around eradication difficult for people to comprehend at times? Yes, but ultimately, if we remove the PI calf, we are removing the main source of BVT that is there. Yeah. So, and it has been a difficulty, I think, to be fair, you know, you, for a farmer, they're looking at a perfectly healthy calf, but it's to see the bigger picture with it and and the understanding of the disease behind it. Yeah. I think in one sense, COVID might make this easier. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people that have tested positive to COVID may not have had symptoms. Mm -hmm. And people, I think, realize COVID was a great educator on virology for all of us. Um, the difference between being infected and, and being affected. Very good. Okay, so Michael, so that's a, a great background then to the dynamics of BVD and the reasons behind the eradication program. So at the moment then, if a PI animal, a PI calf is identified on a farm, what control measures do we take to minimise the risk for that herd and then also for other herds from that PI animal? It's currently as part of the Animal Health Ireland scheme. Uh, we those, cal- those calves are obviously identified. They're isolated, eliminated uh, as quickly as possible. And there is farmer compensation uh, to help deliver on all those. And obviously disinfection of where the calf has been. But the... Furthermore, we do know through the testing technologies now of PCR by the actual reading, heretofore, one would have to do two tests three weeks apart to prove persistency. Now, just in the PCR reading, we can determine within 99% accuracy. And at the current phase of the scheme, any positive, to err on the side of caution, we're eliminating those anyway, because if 99% are PIs, then why take the risk? So that's the first step, elimination of the PI or PIs. Usually, uh, most infections are one or two singleton PIs. And then those herds are restricted for three weeks until a whole herd uh, test is conducted on every single animal. And then the herd remains restricted until all those results are back and all female and breeding animals over 12 months are vaccinated. Perfect. And actually, just when we talk about that as well, Maybe further back in the program, the PI calf, the dam of the PI calf is a, a significant part of it mm-hmm. as well, wasn't it? And that there's quite a high risk that the, the dam is a PI. And if the dam is a PI, then she will always have a PI calf. Yes. Earlier in the disease, going back in history, most of every PI animal will only have PI animals. Um, and in the earlier days of the disease diagnosis, most PIs came from PIs. But nowadays... Uh, prior to the um, start of the scheme in Ireland, we, the research would indicate that only 7% of PIs were born from PI dams and up to 93% would be non-PI dams. Okay. So it just shows the amount of spread uh, got yeah. into animals. Perfect. So obviously we're quite a long way in the eradication program. What role does vaccination then still have to play in controlling BVD within herds? If I go back to using the COVID analogy, um, I think, and I'd labor the point on COVID and that people towards the end of COVID realized the what a vaccine does and what it doesn't do. Vaccines were uh, given this aura of that they'd eliminate COVID when actually what they did is they protected someone from the worst effects of COVID. Uh, 
So the COVID vaccine didn't stop people maybe getting COVID, but it certainly reduced them getting sick, being admitted to the hospital. So all vaccines are on the same principle, same with BVD. BVD vaccine doesn't stop the, vaccine, the virus coming onto your farm if you have a biosecurity breach or bio-exclusion deficiencies. But what it will do is it will protect your herd, especially if, they're, if the herd is naive or if there are naive animals in the herd. It will reduce the amount of PIs that could be created. And if there is a PI, it will reduce the effect that PI has on the rest of the herd. And as long as BVD still remains in the country, it, there is a risk. And as herds become more naive, that risk increases. And that is what has happened in a way as we have gone through the eradication program. Herds now, a lot of herds are likely to be completely naive to BVD because they haven't been exposed to it in, in such a long time. So the potential effects if BVD did manage to get in there and it is still circulating could be very severe in those naive herds. The amount of BVD is reducing. So the risk in one sense should be reducing. The probability of infection is reducing, but the consequences of that infection are increasing because as herds get bigger for that individual herd uh, and as com- as calving is becoming even more compact, if the infection gets in at the wrong time, it can have more serious effects and it can also knock out the compactness of the calving as well. And that's the thing with BVD, isn't it? And you mentioned it earlier. If you had a BVD outbreak, say, in and around now, the effects of that won't probably be seen until you're calving down again next year and you see all your your PI animals. And then it's quite an amount of time before you get back to a stage where you're not feeling the effects of BVD and that that initial outbreak. So, And there's lots of other times where you might have BVD and you don't know it, but um, especially in regards calf pneumonia, uh, calf scour, and it may not be detect- it may not be provable that it is BVD, but if it's there, it's going to make those problems worse. Yeah. So the risk is low, but there is still BVD circulating. So I'd say the probability of infection is low. Yeah. The effects, if it does come in, are going to be a lot higher. It's very hard to know whether your herd is going to be infected or affected. And um, like all things, if you usually know when it's too late. Exactly. Exactly. And then just aside from vaccination, what other factors or what other control measures do we need to take into account to keep in keeping herds free of, di- of disease? Most other control measures fit into two categories of actions. One are called the biosecurity actions and the bioexclusion. So biosecurity, we all have an idea of what that is. But what biosecurity in essence means is how one prevents an infection traveling around different groups of animals in your herd. So essentially, one's herd has several, you've the cows, the heifers, the calves. And what you try and do is try and prevent infections going from one group to the other because cows have carry a lot of diseases that they have immunity to that do not affect them but would have big consequences in the calves. So you one doesn't like infections traveling around different batches within the herd. So that's biosecurity. By exclusion is what we oftentimes think biosecurity is, which is preventing an infection coming onto your farm, which is fencing, uh, control measures like making sure that uh, no contamination comes into your farm on uh, third-party items. And obviously buying in animals is the biggest risk factor and making sure that you're buying from the highest health status you can is obviously um, the real important thing here. 
And actually that raises uh, one aspect of BVD that we didn't explore earlier, the Trojan animal. Yes. You might explain what that is for us. The Trojan. Um, I won't go back to ancient Greece <laughs> this time, but the Trojan is another unique feature to BVD. So it's where, um, and I'm coming back to what I was saying earlier, most PIs now are born to non-PI dams. So typically this is more prevalent in heifers. But what does happen is if a heifer is pregnant and let's say in the third month of pregnancy, she gets infected, fetus does not um, survive the infection, then you have a PI animal. So that calf is a PI. And if you buy that animal and you test that dam, that dam will be negative for BVD, yet it's carrying a positive calf. And there is no test that we have to detect that calf. It's only when the calf is born that we can test it. And that happens when the cow or the calf and cow have arrived onto your farm. And that is um, a noted and unique entry point for BVD. Yeah. And really reinforces as well the the uniqueness of, of BVD mm. and the disease process and the and the PI animal. Okay, so Michael, so what role then does vaccination have to play in managing BVD at this stage? The role of vaccination for BVD is like its role for all diseases. And it is this that we are moving into a herd health era as Irish herds are getting bigger, more compact, productivity is more important, and compact calving uh, is essential to the profitability of dairy farming going forward. We see uh, a trend towards increasing vaccination, which does eliminate disease, does reduce the effect of diseases on farms. And we see that with less usage of antibiotics, more sustainable agriculture and better outcomes for animals, farmers and all concerned. In relation to BVD, whilst the incidence and probability of infection is reduces with the amount of BVD out there, because BVD hasn't been eliminated, the consequences of an infection in an individual farm is high, is higher as the herd gets bigger. And can you afford to go without? Brilliant. Okay, so folks, that's our lot for this podcast. Thanks a million to Michael for joining us. It was a great, clear overview of BVD virus and its significance in Ireland. Thanks a million for listening and join us again next time. Mm-hmm.